Hello, and welcome to episode 434 of Awards Daily's Water Cooler Podcast. I'm your host, Clarence Moy, and I'm joined by the other two M's. So, M's, let's go around the cooler and tell the listeners who you are and where they can find you on the internet. I believe, Joey, it is your turn this week. Oh, hi. I'm Joey Moser. You can find me on Twitter at JoeyMoser83. Megan. Hi, I'm Megan McLaughlin. You can find me on Twitter at HeyDudeMeg. And again, I'm Clarence Moy. You can find me on Twitter or X, whichever language <laughs> you speak. Uh, I do like how the New Clarence York Moore. Times, the New like, York Times still yeah. says like Twitter, formerly known as, or X, X. formerly known as Twitter. Like, <laughs> I really mean, I, I, at this point, it's it's just nothing but doom, doom scrolling. And I'm just, I'm sitting there like, I was fascinated by the Variety article about, uh, that was released today about um, Amber Heard dating elon musk and how he wrote warner to make sure she was in aquaman 2 or well, i saw that headline i didn't read the article yet though i didn't read the article either and then like uh what's his face uh jason Momoa showed up drunk um yeah while filming it and i don't know, I don't know. this movie just feels this movie feels cursed did it come out <laughs> no it comes no. out at christmas <laughs> okay <laughs> it's a gift for all of us <laughs> i was like i don't know did i see this already I'm still confused by Suicide Squad versus The Suicide Squad. Are they were both the same movie or not? I'm still, I'm embarrassed to admit that one I was don't a know sequel the to the other, right? Yeah. Is that the, is, is Suicide Squad the first one and The Suicide Squad the second one? Yes. yes. Okay, I'm embarrassed that I did not know they were sequels and was not sure what well, they now were. Well, now it's on record. So yes, so it's, it's I'm embarrassed for posterity. I think I've only I've only seen the second one. I saw the one with the guy that had all the little um, the little uh, spots all over him that he threw. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, what is what is that? There was one with the with the guy with the spots. Hold on a second. Um, did you see it, Joey? <laughs> no. Oh, I saw the first one. I didn't see the second one. I did not see the 2016 one. That's the I one saw the, with that one. I saw that one. That's the one with uh, what's his face as Joker, right? Um, uh, Jared, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, no, I saw that one. God damn it! I don't. We're spending too. We, let's talk about something else. I, okay, <laughs> new okay, subject. Pa- paging new <laughs> subject. Sorry, I have sorry, to say, that's my fault. No, it's it's it's. I'm just trying to. What's this guy's name? Uh, I know it's gonna. Oh, Polkadot Man, David. Never mind. I can't even. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. His last name. Time. His name is Polka Dot Man. Yes, the character's name is Polka Dot Man. Oh my god! I wonder how many. Oh, it's he... David Desmalkian. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Yeah, I interviewed him. He's very nice. Uh, not yes, for that, seemed... but yeah, he's a great actor, great uh, character actor who just turns up in everything. Like, love him. All right, so um, I'm going to take Joey's suggestion and just move on from Suicide Squad. Sorry, Megan. Um, I know that you wanted to dedicate the entire podcast to it. But uh, man! <laughs> especially on the news that uh, none of the original actors who have been imprisoned in the uh, DC universe will come back. Uh, anyway. Um, so for our main topic today, we're going to be talking about the new Netflix erotic thriller, uh, Fair Play which Megan saw last uh, January at Sundance and uh, Joey and I caught up on when it hit Netflix this week. Um, But before we do that, I have a surprise question for both of you (gasps) from a reader, a listener. (laughs) It's from Rick. Rick. (laughs) Hi, Rick. (laughs) 
So <laughs> Hello, Rick. Rick said, I was thinking about how much I love The Sopranos and how I have not been emotionally invested in a TV show since it went off the air. I love many TV shows, but that's the last time I was so into a show and couldn't wait for the next episode. I actually cried when the show ended. So he would love to know what is a show that we are similarly emotionally invested in. Oh, that is a really interesting oh, is question. question. Like one that we've never gotten over. Well, I mean, I think, you know, one, like, one that he was excited to see um, and then actually, you know, kind of missed that it was gone. Never getting oh, over, I think, is a bit so strong. Many. But. Well, I mean, yeah. But I mean, there's so many like that. Like, I feel like the last one that I remember being really, I mean, I get like that with reality shows when they're over, like, um, where you just have fun, especially when you, when you, that's more of like the culture of like having parties, watching it, but one where it was like really fun to watch and also watch it with Twitter was mayor of East town. I think that's the last one that I can remember where mm. it was like, Oh, what are we going to do without this story? And um, I was just talking about this recently with other people about how it's a lot like the show happy Valley um, even though my friend was like, Happy Valley is better. But I'm like, well, Happy Valley has like three seasons. But, um, and it is very good. But um, Mayor of Easttown just did uh, so many interesting things with their characters and so many surprises. And um, I know that's like a limited series. I don't know if I can, I have to think about if there's like a show, like a longer running show. But that's one that I, I think about like, oh, I missed that when that was gone. Joey? Um, I feel like I have a lot that are, the things that I talk about all the time. So it's not like I <laughs> am offering really anything new. Um, I think I will feel that way about Maisel considering I I've been, I'm so in love with that show still. Um, that's a show that I will. That's a show that I have already started like putting on whenever I'm just like doing stuff around the house, just having it as noise. Um, and I do that with a lot of comedies, but not like an hour long comedy. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I, I miss random things like I miss like the comeback a lot. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that's a good example of it. Did it? You know, it's it doesn't get trapped in the, you know, having to churn out something every, you know, every season. If they, I mean, I could see the comeback coming back for another season if I wanted to, you know, in some format or another. I feel that way sometimes. I feel that way about, uh, and I, this is going to sound really pathetic. Uh, I do not think the show Smash got a good ending, or it's it got the show itself got teased like a theater kid itself um, until it decided to transfer schools and go off the air. Um, stuff like that. Nothing as critically heralded as The Sopranos. I've actually never watched The Sopranos. And uh, I've seen a lot of things about, like, for some reason, just like two weeks ago, I watched one of, I watched like a clip of James Gandolfini and Edie Falco fighting. Um, I think it's like one of their big first huge fights that I watched uh, just randomly. Don't know why I watched it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen Sopranos either. I've seen a couple of episodes here and there, but um, I just, you know, I don't know, 20 years ago, myself wasn't just interested in it. I don't know why. Um, but uh, partially probably because I felt like 
between the Godfather and Goodfellas, I, I don't know how much, how many more um, great mobster stories you could tell, but apparently um, this one was, was slightly different. So um, I, I do want to catch up to that. I, and were we supposed to do a flashback to, to uh, smash at some point? Remember uh, we used probably. to do flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Next year, next year we need to do a flashback to Desperate Housewives for its 20th anniversary. Well, because technically, I think uh, this past February was the 10th the 10th anniversary of the second season, the the second and final season of Smash. Um, Yeah. Um, But to answer the question, I my the first thing that came to mind was Game of Thrones, Um, but not because I was. Like I, I, I didn't cry at the show because it was gone. I was, it it made me emotional because it made me so angry. Often, <laughs> not for not for the obvious reason, not for the the ending, but like the when the ice dragon appeared and and, and you know that just I, I just got like extraordinarily un- irrationally angry <laughs> that they had killed off one of her dragons. Um, so I was definitely emotionally invested into that in that show. Uh, probably the last time that I cried watching a television show, which happens more often than you would. Uh, well, there's there's three emotions I will go through. Uh, crying. Um, I cried during uh, Connor's wedding of Succession, um, uh, and that yeah. was before that was before my mother died. Um, uh, so I don't know that I could go back and rewatch that. But uh, um, yeah, I was watching it, and it, because. Uh, I didn't watch it the night it premiered and uh, Jalal had texted me and said something big happened on this episode. I'm like, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not on Twitter because I don't want to know. And then I watched it during a lunch break at home and uh, I'm sitting there in the eating a sandwich in my kitchen and like hiding my face, trying to pretend that I'm not crying over this television <laughs> show. Um, and then uh, another emotion would be terror. Um, the only show that has ever made me truly scared is uh the haunting of hill house oh yeah you really uh, love that one too well i think it's a it's a terrifying piece of television i mean it's it's just you know yeah just, in fact I, I i really want to rewatch it um even though i know the it kind of doesn't stick the landing it gets way too emotional at the end um but the uh, the ghosts that are hiding in every scene that you know are not re- referenced, but you can you can look for them in the in the in the mise en scene, um, and then you know just just how scary you know, some of those jump scares are, which jump scares are really affect me. So those are three things that I think have made me brought anger and sadness and uh, terror. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I don't know that there's anything that that has gone. That I'm, I'm truly like, you know, oh, I, I, I love that show so much that I missed it because I, I've, I mean, I've watched Game of Thrones three times, so I can go back and revisit that, and, um, you know, most everything else. I mean, you know, I, most shows go on too long, so by the time they're done, you're like, okay, it's, it, it was time. <laughs> That's true. I feel like, like I guess I'm some things that I miss are the heyday of like NBC must see TV of like, yeah. You know, that, oh, I I think I miss more, I'm more nostalgic for the way shows were than an actual show. Like, Mm -hmm. that Friends would take a hiatus and you had to wait all summer and you had no idea 
who Rachel's baby daddy was, even though you knew it was Ross. Or like, oh, Seinfeld, you know, the summer of George. How is like he going to come back from that? And, you know, like, oh, Susan's dead. You know, like, I don't know. I just feel like I miss that sort of the st- the storytelling with that. Whereas we're so, I, maybe it's also because we're so inundated with the the culture of it and know everything that's going on now um, because we, you know, this is our passion but even if you're a casual fan you can figure it out too it's kind of the mystery's gone yeah and there's all kinds of spoilers and there's people online who just who live to spoil things for you and um yeah what do you guys think about the news i don't know if you saw this today but the jerry seinfeld apparently had a a stand-up show where he made reference to some sort of project seinfeld related project that was coming up i think it has to do with the end of curb your enthusiasm Oh, okay. Yeah, because this is, uh, rumor has it, the final Mm -hmm. season. So, and they have done something on there before, so. Okay. Does Kirby Enthusiasm and Seinfeld happen in the same universe? No, uh, Kirby Enthusiasm, uh, is about, like, the creating Seinfeld. So it's like, Uh, so Seinfeld exists. You didn't know that? No. Seinfeld exists, but it's about, like, Larry David after Seinfeld has ended and everything. Oh, okay. And like, what does he do with his life? <laughs> yeah. Just gets into shenanigans. That's pretty much it. Anyway, thanks, Rick, for the question. Hopefully we yeah. answered it satisfactorily. And yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's move on to Fair Play, which is currently streaming on Netflix. And uh, Megan, um, why don't you talk to us about Fair Play and uh, orient us in the conversation, please? Sure. So Fair Play is from writer-director, I believe it's her first feature, Chloe DeMont. And um, it's about this couple, this like, young couple, are hot and heavy, you know, we meet them and like they, here you find out that they are co-workers, but they're keeping it a secret. They're, they're working for this like uh, hedge fund that's pretty cutthroat and like Wall Street-esque. Um and kind of industry too, if, if for fans of the HBO show industry, which another great show that I need to catch up on, um, there's kind of lingo there. It's, it's very smart. Um, but this is about the dynamics of, you know, there's that there for promotion and one thinks that you, they, that she is, well, she, we could talk about this, but one gets it over the other and, um, and then kind of, basically jeopardizes their relationship and causes it to unravel quickly and horribly, I would say. Um, that's, that's how I would describe it. But, um, I really, I loved this movie when I saw it at Sundance, uh, in January because it, um, I think it's very tightly written, very, um, smartly written too. And I really liked the way it looks at relationships and, and the dynamics and I also feel like I know these characters very well um, before we get into any kind of spoiler territory. But um, that's, yeah, that's kind of the, you know, it stars Phoebe Bridgerton, <laughs> Phoebe Dynever, and Alden Ehrenreich. And I am here for the Alden Ehrenreich renaissance. <laughs> I can't believe it has been, this is his first, so when this premiered at Sundance, this was his first movie since Solo in 2018. That is insane because he is, I loved him in Solo. I know a lot of people didn't like that movie. I actually liked it better than the other 
the standalone Star Wars um, movies that I'd seen. I, I thought it was fun. I thought he capped. And I was like not totally like, oh, he's not very Han Solo-esque. He, he did a really good job, I thought. And I um, love seeing him. And he was in Oppenheimer this year. I still need to see Cocaine Bear, but I'm, I'm here for, for his renaissance. I actually really liked uh, him in uh, in Solo too. I thought he did a, a you know, who's going to capture Harrison Ford? But I thought he did right. as good of a job as any actor could. He was very charming. Um, so let's talk about. So I want to start with sort of a general sort of what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it. I do want to talk about it in the context of kind of how it's been played out over the last couple of weeks. It's been. It, it, a lot of people have referred to it as an update of the 1990s erotic thriller, something like Disclosure, something like um, Disclosure is the first thing that comes to mind. But, you know, in the basic instinct, it's not anything like basic instinct, but uh, the sliver category, those kinds of things. I want to talk about it in in, in those terms, because I think. Well, I'll just go first. I think um, this is absolutely the kind of movie that you need to discover without any preamble leading into it. I think if I had seen it in the same environment that you had, Megan, mm -hmm. um, at Sundance, just watching this completely unknown film, you know, nobody talking about, you know, toxic masculinity or, you know, what's, what's going on. And then the ending. And if I had hear, heard none of that, I, I think I would have liked it a lot better as it was. And hearing this constant drumbeat about, Oh, this is like a nineties erotic thriller. This is like a nineties erotic thriller. It, it just, it disappointed me. I found it kind of flat. I thought that the actors were both very good. I just, I don't know. I just kind of got a little tired of them. And then there, I didn't find, I think the lack of a supporting cast hurt it for me. I mean, there are uh, supporting actors in it, but there's no real characters um, outside of them, I would say. That, that's a good point because they, there aren't really any, it's kind of just them. And then it's uh, Eddie Morrison and Rich Summer, which, which is funny that Rich Summer always seems to play like, he, he, they, I wonder if he gets pigeonholed as like the evil exec like, or something. <laughs> I don't know. I feel I like he's, he's always doing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's the nicest looking guy. And, uh, oh, and no. He's, uh, he totally plays schmucks all the time. <laughs> yeah. And he seems like such a sweetheart. So, um, that's, yeah. Um, but I think, I think you're right. I, I mean, I think I watched it not really knowing anything about it. Um, and I had lower expectations. I remember thinking, okay, everybody keeps saying how Phoebe Dynaver is so amazing and, and they're both so amazing. And I think it really gets amped up toward the end where her performance is really, they're both, their performances are really good. Um, I, but I can understand that if you if you go into it with the hype of, you know, they were saying it's not it's not a fatal attraction. It's right. not it's I mean, it's better than Disclosure. Disclosure is not a very good movie, I think, um, you know, it's it's but it's talking about the politics of the time, which Disclosure was talking about sexual har harassment and flipping it. Um, well, and this one is talking about, you know. Dynamics in the workplace, like in-office in dating, which is, you know, kind of become taboo. And I think um, I think what it had to say about it was really interesting. And I personally feel like Luke is uh, Eldon Ehrenreich's character is so interesting because I feel like I know so many Lukes like mm -hmm. and that's terrifying. That's to me. It's it's a 
it's a thriller because you know Luke. Like women know Luke. And I think that's why women are responding to this so much because he does, you know, come across as this um a nice guy, you know? And and I love the fact that and Joey, I wanted you to to jump in, but I love the fact that like she's expected in the beginning to be like root for him to to get the the like to have the job, even though she I wonder if she actually knows that he's a fuck up to begin with. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Well, we're, Joey, uh, we'll hand it off to you. But I don't. Just to to to, to answer that, I don't think she does because she's surprised. Yeah. When some things are revealed that he has done, so I don't yeah. think she knows that. And it's been longer since I've seen it, so th- that's right. Good. Yeah. That's well, true. I mean, we just. I think it. some of the stuff that this. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. The, the thing that I was worried about was I kept hearing, it was like the ending, the ending, the ending. And I was like, I don't want it to get spoiled for me at all. Um, and I think it's a really interesting exam, examination of uh, like almost like rejecting people pleasing a little bit because women are, I'm speaking, I'm a, I'm a white man here. Um, I think women are expected uh, to be people pleasers a lot. Like, I think it was interesting that, you know, uh, the first thing she does when she finds that, when she tells him it, the first thing she does is apologize. Um, right. Or she's like, I'm sorry. Um, and I, th- I think I, I didn't know, I knew he was going to have like a, you know, the, the rift between them was going to come up, but I, I, I bought into him. Like when he was like, Oh no, it's fine. I'm happy for you. Like I, I believed him. I think that's a a really good indication of how well Alden Ehrenreich is in the movie. And I think I, I would like to just say sidebar. He has a really good short film in contention this year it's called uh shadow brother sunday it's it's really sad it's him he directed it and it's him and nick robinson um so i hey, love nick robinson your ovaries are going to explode in this movie <laughs> um um it's not it's nothing sexy whatsoever they play brothers um but um i don't know i i there's uh i had notes but i, I don't know where i put them but there were um i don't know like the the part where I thought it was interesting that he like was so horny over his own success. Like every time that they have sex in the beginning of the movie, it's about like, you know, I got a promotion. Yeah, we're going to fuck. And also it's just like, (laughs) I thought some of the stuff, like when you do find out that, uh, I guess we can go into spoiler territory. We're going to warn people, watch the movie before you, before you uh, listen to this podcast. But, um, I thought some of the most interesting stuff was when she finds out his circumstances and they, she doesn't use it against him, even though she knows it in the first place. Like when they, she finds out that, um, I don't know, I'm blanking all of a sudden, but like, you know, she finds out something from like higher ups in the office that he didn't do a good job or that he was like uh, his hiring was a favor to somebody. Um, I don't know. I just thought that I think the, the, the script is actually really, it's dense sort of in a good way that I feel like you can dissect it a lot. Um, And I will admit that I'm not the biggest fan of Phoebe Bridgerton, but I thought she was good. So 
Um, and actually, I, I do think that's a really good point that there is no support. <laughs> he has no supporting cast in this movie. Like, uh, what's his name? Eddie Morrison, who I love. Um, keep thinking of him banging on the top of that car and happy go lucky. I know. Um, uh, him and uh, there's a guy I'm blanking on his name. He is from. Uh, he was in The Great. He played Elle Fanning's lover, like her appointed lover. He's the guy who you see crying in the office um, when Alden Ehrenreich goes to, uh, like, beg for that. I have to say, that scene, like, okay, I saw some people saying that they didn't like some of the themes of the movie. And it's just, like, it's not saying necessarily that all men are like this it's just this guy is kind of a psychopath well Um, i think it does take a bit of a broader you know kind of men are terrible perspective and and i'm not i'm not accusing it of that what i'm saying is you know go to the you know you listen to the conversations and 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 the eddie um uh, uh, Marson uh, character calls her a, a dumb bitch or something like that at one point. I mean, you know, there, there are, and I don't know if it's, this is where there's kind of a, a flaw in it because is it that all people in the finance industry are terrible or are all men in the finance industry terrible because there aren't any women in here except for her. Right. So we have no right. points of comparison. Well, according to industry, they would be all of them are terrible yeah. if you watch that show. It's very cutthroat. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I, yeah, I, I just really responded to this because I like the way it, it flips the nice guy. Oh, I want to be supportive for you because we, we all see these guys and, and how, how often is it that you're in this situation where two people where the man, the white dude doesn't get promoted. And, and I mean, I, I, as somebody who is a woman and who has worked um, in different office jobs, I've, I mean, I've been treated kind of like, like guys will, there is definitely a hierarchy. I remember one time um, they had important people coming into the office at the one job that I worked and, and the one guy asked me, could you go get them coffee? And at first I thought he meant because like, oh, I, I always talked when I used to work at Starbucks. And then I realized, no, it's because I'm the woman. And that's that's why. Because there were other people there that could have gotten other dudes. I work, work mostly with dudes. And this guy never talked to me, but he asked me to go get coffee. And it's just like stuff like that that is little things that um, I love this idea of, you know, that he doesn't get what he wants. And she does. And how, you know, if you have where he does get the job and she doesn't, there's probably no no movie. And I think that's probably the most interesting part of it. They get married. She never knows any of this stuff about him. And uh, there's no movie. Like, that's what I think is really interesting. Um, I think the thing that I th- thought of in the dumb fucking bitch scene was... I and it kept, I kept thinking about that a lot throughout the rest of the movie. It's just I think I, I now that I think about it, I think it's interesting that there are no other women because it just makes her a lot more adrift and completely by herself. She has no she, she the only support system that we know that she has 
I mean, she doesn't really have one. It's the guy that she's living with and secretly, you know, secretly dating. That I think that's sort of interesting. They are like, you know, take the only support system she has and like quite literally turn it against her. And it's like, it's not her mother. Her mother's, co- uh, you know, she's like overbearing. Um, I would have liked to maybe see a little bit more of that. Um, but the uh god i had a point what was it? oh no the dumb fucking bitch thing it was just i kept thinking throughout the rest of the movie after that scene happened it was like what is the male equivalent of you dumb fucking bitch because it's sort of like once you call a woman a bitch in that sort of setting that i feel like that is a label that is put on them and then the on the flip side of that is the only possible way that she could have gotten the job is that she's a whore. Right. And I just thought like the, the two, not in every situation, but I feel like when someone is mad at a woman, they either call her a bitch or a whore. And like, I can't, I was so like almost taken aback by the fact that Alden Ehrenreich's character would not believe that she was good at her job, even though Eddie Marson's character says at the beginning, you made most of the, you know, you made some of the best calls for the last, for the whole last year. And um, I don't know. I just thought that it was just so like, that's the way that it went. I will say the one scene that I wish that there was more of that. I wish it was longer. was like, why did you cut it there? It was when he's insulting her clothes and he says, like, I think the last line of the scene is, like, you go into work and you look like a fucking cupcake. And I was like, she doesn't have, you don't, you're not going to let us see the response to that. Because you know that mm. Phoebe's character, whatever, like, that is, a, I feel like that scene was so cut short. I was just like, no, that's one of the first fights they have in the whole movie. Or it's not even a fight because we don't see it. Um, and I, I wish I would have seen her react to that but the the scene doesn't let us see that i wanted to see that so badly that's interesting what do you think about the ending i don't know there's really not much we can say without giving spoilers away so and we've already given a spoiler warning but uh let's just give a very heavy spoiler warning and say for the next couple of minutes yeah. we're going to talk about the ending <laughs> well it's interesting that that starts with blood and it ends with blood yes <laughs> Um, which I know people, I think men were freaking out about the, the scene with her getting her period while they're having sex or whatever, which I think is silly. And then I didn't, I think it was such a funny scene. I'm sorry. And I think it's hot that it's like, Hey, he doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't care. He just wants to be with her. That's what's hot about it. And and tell me how many women have had to have sex with grosser circumstances. Come on. Um, but I, I loved the ending. I felt like it was so I don't know. I just kept thinking about how how it started, how it was like, you know, they seemed so, you know, so in love. They're engaged. It seems like, um, you know, they have all these plans and the engagement part. I mean, we need to talk about the engagement party, too. But um, I just loved how she had reduced him to like a blubbering man. You know, people always say that women are the emotional ones, but he's, you know, crying and and she just kind of, you know, says, you know, get out of here. I was worried something else was going to happen. Um, what, what did you think was going to happen? 
like I didn't know if we were gonna have like a promising young woman situation. I wasn't sure if she was gonna stab him to death. I wasn't sure if I mean that would make it a completely different movie, obviously. But right. um I wasn't sure. And I think like the last thing you hear is the knife hitting the floor. Um and that's the end. Um but I, I feel like I'm still probably quite literally just finished it like 20 minutes ago. So um I I feel like I'm still processing it, but I do I do feel like there was a there was something about her standing over him like that that I'm like, all right, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, after uh, I mean, I guess she does attack him, but after what he did to her at the that was the most shocking moment for me was what happens at the engagement party in the bathroom. In the yeah, that, were you it, shocked by that? Oh yeah, I was. I was. I was particularly with um, the pushing her head down on the table. Oh God, that was hard. Thud, that thud that happened there. It was just, I was like, gosh, she have a concussion. Like it just, and, and she was very clearly, I mean, she was into it to begin with and then he got overly aggressive and then she was not into it because he almost concussed her. And, right. you know, and then she kept saying, no, 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 no. And he kept finished, you know, he finished. Um, and uh, and what's really interesting about that last scene, less so the stabbing stuff, but the um, the fact that she goes, you know, are you gonna? I think she she references the rape. I think she asked for an apology, or she's not gonna apologize for that, or something like that. Um, and he has no idea. Right. He yes. has right. no idea that she considered that rape. Right. That's what I thought was. I, I think this this film was a lot about perspective too, like. Obviously, we're, I mean, we're clearly kind of, you know, I think I saw, was it Scott? So it was somebody's tweet that was clearly like somebody is uh, right and somebody's wrong and it's her and, and she's the right one. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it would be interesting to see what his point, I mean, his point of view, we kind of get it, but like, you could see that he's not thinking any of these things are wrong. And he's only thinking he's doing right. And he consider he considers what happened. Oh, that was consensual. Like, yeah. And I, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Joey. No, I, I sorry. I, I I think this is the only time because when not to be like when we started talking a lot more openly about sexual abuse and sexual assault and consent consent and everything like that. Um, I think some people were in in the real in the real world sort of like surprised inexplicably to learn and understand that you can consent at the beginning and then ask to stop. Like that's like when someone says, like, you know, they're into it. And I don't think I've seen a movie in the last couple of years where, you know, it starts as a consensual act, but she very clearly says, stop. And she says it yeah. twice and she's like, you're hurting me. And it's sort of like, I don't know if I've seen a movie, uh, show that unless someone wants to point it out to me dear readers or dear listeners I, I just don't think i've seen anything like that since we've ha- been having conversations about consent and uh communication about sexuality i think the other thing about this film and maybe i'm the only one who feels this way is that these two do have a lot of chemistry so it's confusing for the audience at a certain point not after he rapes her but you're kind of like 
oh, it's kind of hot. They have this thing going on. Like she kind of hates him. He kind of, you know, you know, you're, you're like, oh, don't do this. But I guess I could see if you're both attracted to each other. But then when she says stop, that's where it's like, and he doesn't, it's like, oh, whoa, we've gone into a whole different territory now. It, right. This like, it, it, it plays with the audience's emotions too. And I think that's a testament to the directing and the, and the performances too, because I think if you don't have, and I guess maybe some people don't think they have chemistry. I think they have amazing chemistry. But if you don't have that, then the the film doesn't work. And uh, I, I guess I'll say, um, sort of wrapping my thoughts on it. I think the, the 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 more subtle moments I think work best for me. I'm I'm not I'm not sure about the, you know, the the the, the bigger swings in terms of of violence and blood and stuff like that. But like subtle digs or subtle little commentary pieces really do uh, work for me. Like the fact that he, you know, he is a fuck up in terms of his career. And yet he tells her when he gets, when she gets home and he's backing up and leaving the apartment, he says, Oh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to, my brother hooked me up with this guy and I'm probably going to, you know, get some funding for my own business. Like, right. Yeah. A lot of people and, and, you know, I guess you could say men in this case, but a lot of people do fail upwards. <laughs> and that I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. And not surprising. Mm. Like I said, my feelings on this were that it's a, it's a horror. I mean, this is a, a film that I think is for women. I mean, I'm, but here's the thing. There've been, there've been movies forever that were mostly for men that women also enjoyed. So men need to just get on board, but, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I I think that I it's a it's a horror thriller for women because we all know Luke Edmonds. We all know these guys. We've dated these guys. And it's just crazy to think that one little thing can cause this domino of things that lead to you being, you know, your relationship being over, you being sexually assaulted, and you know, and and it just ends in turmoil. It ends horribly. And um, I think that's the most interesting thing about it is just that little po power dynamic. That little mm -hmm. switch that flips is what causes this relationship to end. God, that whole sequence of the the party scene is so... I, I love was, that scene. Yeah. I was so uncomfortable. Yes, me too. Um, I was like, what's going was, to happen? <laughs> I was like, your aunt is like right there. And you're like, sucking cock. And I was yeah. like, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I was so uncomfortable during watching that, but, um, yeah. <laughs> um, the, of course, I think the, this has been called a kind of a throwback to 90s erotic thrillers, which we had, which we talked to referenced a little bit earlier. Um, I think it, it's most obviously like, Disclosure. I do think it is. I agree with you, Megan. I do think it's a better film than Disclosure. What I find really interesting is all these '90s erotic thrillers all had the the woman was always evil, or right. had was she was the femme fatale. You know that that it, it picks up from you know a much earlier trope in in cinema and uh, uh, literary history. The the femme fatale, but um, it, it's interesting how. Phoebe Davener's character isn't necessarily, she's not a bad person at all, but she's driven to ba a bad deed, or I mean, I would say it's a bad deed. I mean, you, you probably shouldn't have stabbed him in the shoulder, but. Um, he also shouldn't have raped her, though. No, no, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. 
she should have called the police, but uh, I guess, you know, that's, that's a whole another complicated issue that I'm sure we don't want to get into. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just interesting how this is definitely like, like disclosure tried to flip it and say, um, even back then tried to flip the narrative and, and not be a, a male sexual harassment story, tried to be a female sexual harassment story. And now this is shifting it even, you know, even further. Well, I think also men might be uncomfortable. Like this isn't the, it's an erotic thriller, but it's a lot of those erotic thrillers were awful. If we remember them, like Jade, I think was bad, right? Like, these were notoriously like shitty movies. Like, um, Slither, Slither one. What was that one with Madonna? The like, um, body of the, evidence. Yeah. Like these were all movies where like the women were just there. They were just fuck sticks. And mm-hmm. if you're, if you're comfortable with that and it just being about nothing, then yeah, this movie's not, that's not that. I think, I think it's definitely about something and, um, and it has a, a little more depth than just like, oh, I wanted to kill my husband type of thing, which, which those are so fun too, but this isn't necessarily a fun erotic thriller like the nineties, but I don't know if, if you can ever make it a fun erotic thriller anymore because of the state of the world. So I, I was going to bring up that point. I'm glad that you did. I don't know that you can um, make those films anymore. I think that those are a product of a bygone era. Yeah. Fine, I guess. Wasn't there sort of even like, I think like the closest that we've come to an erotic thrill. I think there was two, but they were not very good. So maybe they are in line. Like, remember that, um, Oh God, that, uh, Sydney Sweeney movie, uh, the voyeurs, which is, that's probably the closest to a nineties thriller. Cause it has like a lot of like, the, like everyone's sweaty. Everyone's hot. <laughs> uh, it has a really fucked up weird ending. Um, that Ben Affleck, um oh that one with Anna de Armas. Yeah, that that was horrible. Jesus. There was not enough sex in that movie. There was barely any in it. Uh what is that? The, I call that the Ben Affleck cuckolding drama without any sex. Um or the um Chloe. Chloe's probably one of the best that's most akin to a 90s uh erotic thrill. I I understand the the to call this an erotic thriller because like in the first like 20 minutes, there are basically two sex scenes, but um, I feel like this has a lot is a lot more chart. Like uh, I think the script is way better. Is I, think the, I think the script is way better uh, yeah. than, um, and I feel like the direction is a lot more. I think the direction is a lot more careful than, than, um, than something like Jade or like wasn't there even like a rapey scene in Basic Instinct with Michael Douglas and Gene Triplehorn? Oh yes, definitely. Oh yes. god, he, uh, he gets so turned on by uh, the cat and mouse game that he's playing with Sharon Stone that he he flips her over backwards in a chair in her office and rips off her panties. Yeah. Of course, she's wearing garters, so she's naturally a whore and and should deserve <laughs> this and wants this because of her underwear fashion choices. And I mean that in a completely. <laughs> Uh, joking way. I do not mean that seriously. I got it. I got um, it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, and then he uh, he he does the same thing that uh, Alden did in uh, in Fair Play. I was just like, wow. Right. But then she's um, like, 
that was, I think she said something like that. That was, that was, that was rough or something like that. She didn't say, Oh, you hurt me or say no. She was just like, ah, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think a lot of, a lot of those erotic thrillers, I think are just always with, like, like, first of all, Michael Douglas is always at the center of them and he's always the yes. hero. And I think, I think fatal attraction is one of the most egregious of these because I don't think he's a hero. I think he's a terrible person and I still side with Glenn Close. <laughs> like, no, I don't think she should have, you know, done some of the things that she did, but I do think that like that film, that film doesn't get made today without being, having Glenn Close as like, no, the protagonist and I feel, and rightfully yeah. so rightfully well, like not not love i guess a uh what would you say film, like a complicated protagonist type of thing that film gets made today with the original ending intact oh totally oh, oh with, totally. with with where she commits suicide to uh um where she doesn't touch the handle of the knife that he threatened her with when he was last in her apartment she slits her throat to uh while listening to madam butterfly mm-hmm. And his fingerprints are all over that knife and she is dead and she doesn't do it by holding the handle. She does it by pinching the blade. Um, and so the last thing that you see in the film is the police um, arriving at his house. Right. And I think that would, cause he's not a, like I always thought growing up before seeing that movie that, Oh, he's, he, she's just terrorized by this ex-girlfriend. I had no idea that like one, he had cheated on his wife multiple times, like or for a week over a weekend, like, um and all that happened in it and how yes she was you know a little unhinged a lot unhinged but he's also not a you know not a good person and i think that he kind of started that wave of well not he but like that that wave of the of erotic thrillers started with the idea that you know look at these crazy women like madonna and and did she kill her husband or not or what is she doing like and that's not this film and i love how it it flips the entire idea of, you know, who, who the crazy woman is. It's well, it ends up being a man <laughs> who's yeah. the emotional mess. I mean, I think it's an interesting film for sure. And, and particularly in that context, when you look at it, not only in, in a modern day sort of battle of the sexes, but also looking at it as a, as a, as a, as a, as a great grandchild or a grandchild of the erotic thrillers of the nineties. Yeah, but, I wish but you something seen that's it. got a lot yeah. more on its mind. Yes, I wish I'd yeah. seen it in a bubble. Yeah, I wish you yeah. would have too. I the whole thing that I kept thinking is, you know, dude, if you you know what you should do, you know what would be what a lot of women would find really hot if you were just this willing, like, yep, I work under this really hot woman and she makes a lot of money and I go home and we fuck a lot. I was like, you would make like everybody moist around the country. If you just decided to embrace that and not be a little bitty bitch boy. And there but, are men like that. Like there, there, are, there, are, yeah, there are totally a hundred percent men like that. And I think that's what the, this film is not saying that all men are, are like this, believe it or not. It's saying that there are men who say they are like, okay, totally okay with this, but are not. And, and you know, <laughs> Yeah. Watch out for that, basically. Well, I think that's where it gets a little bit in trouble because it 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 does start to introduce through the the th- th- you know as as we have agreed upon rather thin supporting cast a a culture of 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 toxic men, but it it doesn't necessarily investigate or explore the finance industry, which is I think really where the key 
here is like it's it's they're in an industry that has been so long dominated by men that they have this um entitled attitude hmm. yeah um i guess that's I mean, true back- so it's also kind of a granddaughter grandson of grandchild i'm sorry of wall street in a way yeah, oh God, it's been so long since I've seen Wall Street. I can't. Uh, I, I barely remember. is good. It. You're right. It yeah. it doesn't really necessarily tell us why they want to be at the top. Why this pressure? You know, other than just between it's it's kind of insular in that way, where it's just about the like she just wants to do this because that's we don't know why we don't we don't know why he wants to do this either, other than you know. I think his family might, is is that, it's been a while since I've seen it, but his family or his dad wants him to do it or something. Is that having to do with it? Wait, what's that? In in Wall Street? No, in, 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 um, Fair Play. Is his dad pushing him to, like, to, you know, try to get better and be like a, you know, be the top of the top? I don't know. I found it really interesting that he um, he did not tell his parents that he was getting engaged. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's right. A warning sign, for sure. Right. Yeah. Any last thoughts? No, I really no. liked it, and I hope um, people seek it out. Well, they definitely have been seeking it out, because go read the uh, comments on Rotten Tomatoes and other posts, places. I'm it's afraid. Definitely. I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, it's a very, very, very divisive film. And it's what's interesting is, you know, uh, there's the whole women who hate women conversation that, that can easily have evidence right there. You know, it's... Anyway, wow. we could probably talk about this for another I could talk hours. about this for another... Two. I'd love to learn more about that, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you should go look at some of those comments, because they are not from men. Okay. (laughs) It has a 55 or a 52 on run. 51. I also think this, this film would have done, I feel like it needed a theatrical release. It would have been interesting if that would have happened. Well, that's the whole conversation about how things just kind of pop up and disappear on, on Netflix. We haven't really, you know, anyway. um, Figured that out. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's jump to the flash forward to the media we're most anticipating in the upcoming week. And um, Megan, why don't you go first? Um, so I'm watching Survivor. <laughs> um, I'm watching Golden Bachelor. What else? I'm going to a fashion show this week, this weekend, and I'm very excited because um, I work for a hospitality group um, in Pittsburgh area, and the mascot is going to be walking the runway. So I'm very excited oh. to be there and see the mascot walking the runway. Um, so very excited about that. Um, there are some things I need to catch up on. Um, I finally, I feel like I have my life back because I've been, I was part of two weddings over the past or attended was played at wedding two weeks ago and then attended a wedding last week. And that just takes a lot of time. So I'm um, hoping to catch up on some shows and things that have documentaries that people have reached out to me about that I need to see. So, um, and oh, everybody should. Oh, I've been listening to Tuve Lu's uh, recent album, Dirt Femme, which is really good. Um, like I've been having that on the constant rotation next to Kylie Minogue's Tension. Um, and then also I've been listening to Ch- uh, Chapel Roan. Have you heard of? Chaperone, I really like her too. Um, 
And and I'm uh, oh, I just watched Bats, the movie Bats for How Did This Get Made, which was fun. Do you remember that movie from 1999? Yeah. Uh huh. And um and and my brother Andy was like, Meg, I remember that poster up at Hollywood Video or whatever. I figured Joey would remember. That they always had like that poster up. Yeah. Um, which that movie is so much fun. It's so much fun. I highly recommend it. Um, I also I did I haven't really talked about a lot of the things I watched the past two weeks, but I was telling Joey that I watched the Amish stud Eli Weaver story, which is also a lot of fun. Um, that's on Lifetime. Um <laughs> and uh I need a new book to read. I think I'm I'm I have a new book coming that's coming to Audible, and it's about um Holly uh, class who was murdered um, in like 1993. I think she was the one that Winona Ryder grew up in Winona Ryder's hometown that um, everybody was looking for. So, so somebody who was from the town wrote a book about, about the case. And I was um, listening to something recently on like a podcast about it. So I bought that book and I'm going to be starting that at some point when it comes out, it's coming out very soon. I feel like this has been long-winded. Go ahead. Who, who is ever next? <laughs> Sorry. Joey? Well, I know what Clarence is looking forward to, so I won't say that. Um, oh, I want to know what it is. I want to catch up on, since I was in Florida for like five or six days, I feel like I haven't really seen <laughs> a lot of stuff. Um, I want to, there's a documentary coming called 20 Days in Mariupol. I think that's coming here. Um, I want to catch up on Kitty Green's The Royal Hotel that's playing in a small theater near my house. Um, I'm in the middle of reading Fellow Travelers by Thomas Mallon. I have given myself a deadline, like I'm trying to write a book report um, because I have screeners to the show. Um, I've been enjoying it. Uh, the newest season of Drag Race UK. I always think Drag Race UK is one of the, if not the strongest spinoff of the like literal hundreds of international seasons um it's it's gotten so bad that i can't keep up with it anymore um uh so i'm looking forward to that and then uh i don't i'm gonna i think for spooky movie night this week gay spooky movie night i might make them watch i don't know if i think we're gonna watch blair witch project tonight which that movie that movie actually scares me and jason is uh working in overnight so i'll be home by myself with the dog and the cat um i heard a really interesting theory about how you can interpret that film that i'll reveal after the the podcast because i don't want to spoil that that 25 year old movie for anybody (laughs) well i'm actually really glad that that movie didn't come out today because i can't imagine like everybody i was so obsessed with that movie when it came out i remember you were yeah and it was like so scary to me and it was like i can't imagine all these obnoxious <laughs> people. Like, I don't want to see, I don't want to see your letterbox review of the Blair Witch Project. Like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Let's like, when I see people that like, like write letterbox reviews of movies from like, I don't want to know what you care about the Philadelphia story or like the, or like when I see people talk about like, I gave only three stars to the Wizard of Oz. Like, shut up, shut the fuck up. Get out of here. You're not, <laughs> you're not real. Go away. <laughs> Oh like people God. that actually review was like, well, I'm one paragraph review is just as good. Fuck off. Get out of here. Um, I'm done. Someone, Clarence, cut me off, please. <laughs> uh, you know, at some point, I'd like to go down this whole conversation about how reviews have become 
Well, I didn't like Wizard of Oz because of what uh, Mr. Warner was doing to uh, Judy Garland, how they were making her take pills. So I can't watch this film knowing that they killed her to make this movie. And I'm like, I'm triggered. I'm triggered by. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I mean, I just can't support it. I can't support it, guys. I'm so sorry. I mean, you know, (laughs) it's it's the whole thing that leads back to Woody Allen. Separate the art from the artist and Roman Polanski. Chinatown is still a great movie. Doesn't matter what Roman Polanski did in the 1970s. It is an, in a great movie. Woody Allen makes great movies. I don't know what he was doing when he got home, but he made great movies. Anyway, um, uh, but that's that's. Oh. I, distri- I should got to have a trigger warning on this podcast. <laughs> okay, um, Friday night, 6 p.m. <laughs> Carrie IMAX. I will be sitting with my daughter and her friend, watching. Oh my god! <laughs> Taylor Swift airs to our movie. I just realized what you were looking forward to. <laughs> Sorry, I could keep going, keep going. <laughs> that is that is it. I mean, that is that is that is what we've been living for. <laughs> um, now it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, how this goes. Because um, I'm not I'm not really one to watch filmed concerts on TV. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm I'm severely annoyed, uh, concerned about the possible annoyance of uh, people in the audience singing the entire oh, time. That's going to happen. Oh yeah, no. they will. That's like, why I'm hoping to like see it like in the middle of the day at some point. <laughs> Wait, you're gonna go see it? <laughs> yeah, I want to go see it. <laughs> Everyone talked about how great that concert was. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just really funny. I feel like everybody, I. I'm not going to see it, but I support everybody who wants to go enjoy it. By laughing in their faces. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm laughing at, at Clarence. I, I forgot. I'm laughing that I forgot that's what it was. I was thinking it was something like Game of Thrones. I don't know why I was thinking Game of Thrones when there's nothing Game of Thrones ass coming out. But then I was surprised that you were like, I'm going to see it too. That was what was what made me laugh. I didn't realize you were in on that too. No, it's okay. I'll just uh, I'll just dig up my uh, Megan McLaughlin voodoo doll, and uh, <laughs> if you if you start having some lower back pains tonight, you know why. <laughs> the pins are going in, Megan. The pins are going in. No, it's totally fine. I know it's 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 ridiculous, but uh, and uh, the, you if you enjoy it, that's fine. I don't like. But I think you know people make such a big deal about everybody. Just needs to find things that bring them joy, and if she brings you joy, that that's great. Everybody does need to find things that bring them joy, and everybody needs to stop comparing artists that bring you joy on Twitter and saying this one is better than the other one, and this person is trash. Yeah, that I am. I am so exhausted on both sides of the Beyonce versus Taylor Swift debate. Oh, like, I didn't know oh, that that was a thing. I oh, someone a, brought oh someone brought that up like like over the weekend. They were like someone said. Oh, I like Taylor Swift, and literally the next person was like, "I like Beyonce more." And I was like, "What? What? What? You t- what?" Those those are two completely different artists in two different genres, doing different things and talking about different experiences. Why the hell would you compare them? Right. It's yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, Sheryl Crow is releasing her thirtieth anniversary uh, vinyl edition of the Tuesday Night Music Club. I think I saw that on Instagram. I saw. Oh. Pre-ordered it already. <laughs> All right. Now that T- I can be down with. <laughs> TV wise, um, well, I have oh, never mind. I can't say that. Uh, I was going to say I've never dressed like Taylor Swift, but 
I did wear a, a reputation era outfit <laughs> to see the concert. Um, the uh, on TV, I'm continuing my rewatch of Veep, um, and hopefully, I get a screener of something I've been rapidly anticipating. So, um, is it a film? Was that? Is it a film? I have no, 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 no. Oh. TV screener. You know what oh. it is. Gilded Age. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I thought you were going to say. Gilded Age screeners. Um, we have screeners to another show, another apparently hotly anticipated uh, Which show one? on Apple. Masters? Yeah. Eh. Hotly anticipated by whom? By people who love Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but also like, as soon as I saw the, um, the news about the crown, I was like, give me that screener. Motherfucker. Yeah. Give me that yeah. shit now. <laughs> Those screeners will be dropping soon. Um, ah! <laughs> and I, I was excited to watch, uh, masters of, is it masters of the air? Yeah. Um, I was excited to watch that until I <laughs> read that it's not coming out until March of 2024. I'm like, I got time. March. March. Oh, sorry. January. January 26th of 2000. Oh, that's better. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got, we got time. We got time. Um, yeah. I mean, I've got lots of screeners. I want to watch The Keen Mutiny. I want to watch Fargo. I want to watch a Fellow, uh, fellow Travelers. I want to watch uh, I Need yeah. to Finish Only Murders in the Building. I got to watch All the Light We Cannot See. You read that book. Are you going to watch um, American Horror Story Delicate? Delicate? No. I watched the first. Well, I fell asleep to the first episode, but it's 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 it is a program. I feel like it's a weird title. Delicate's it's, weird. Well, it's it's the first American horror story that's based on a book that has yet to be released. Oh, okay. That's yet to be released. The book, I don't think the book. I don't think the book has been released yet. So it's just like great. So make people watch the show and then. So it's like is, George R. R. Martin. <laughs> isn't that just gonna like doom the ticket sales? The book, the, sales, the book sales, I mean, no, I no. mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it's it seems to be inspired by Rosemary's Baby, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, uh, speaking of books, I am I just started now that I finally freed myself from the horror that is the Liars <laughs> Club. Um, oh, I uh, I have picked up a book that Joey picked up in Target the other week. I believe it was you in Target. It was called The Only One Left by Riley Sager. Mm-hmm. Ooh, um, that's a great maybe title. You saw it in Target. Anyway, it's, it's it's got hints of Rebecca so far, Joey. So I Ooh. think you might like it. Okay. Yep, and if they make the movie. Um, there's an elderly lady who, who may or may not be Lizzie Borden, not actually Lizzie Borden, but committed a Lizzie Borden-esque crime. Um, if they make this movie, I think this could be Glenn Close's Oscar play. Oh my God. <laughs> not Sunset Boulevard. Which version? <laughs> They're never going to make that movie. They're never going to make that movie. Which Will they make Glenn Close in Sunset Boulevard or will they ever, I know this is not going to happen, or will it be, uh, Barbara Streisand in <laughs> Gypsy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's never going to happen either. Um, but anyway. What was the name of that book again? The Only One Left by Riley Sager. Okay, got it. Thanks. You're welcome. So does that cover it? Yeah. 
Yeah. All right, let's get the hell out of here. So we are the three M's contributors, Joey Moser, Megan McLaughlin, and me, Clarence Moy. Thanking you for joining us, asking you to remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find us. Plus, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Awards Daily and wishing you a very pleasant tomorrow. <laughs>